Nice. Yeah. What you're hearing are the sounds of people everywhere putting on Bomba socks, underwear, and T-shirts made from absurdly soft materials that feel like plush clouds. Yeah, that plush. And the best part? For every item you purchase, Bombas donates another to someone facing homelessness. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST. Code ACAST. This podcast exists because of the paid members at DecodingTV.com. Sign up for ad-free episodes and early access to episodes by going to DecodingTV.com and becoming a paid member. Thanks to everyone at DecodingTV.com who makes this podcast possible. One temple oil extractor. And did you happen to discuss how to use such a thing with my friend? You need to get to the temple loom so the extractor can pull Loki directly out of the time stream. Wait, so I need to get to the temporal loom so the extractor can pull Loki out of... The time stream? But it could be dangerous. How dangerous? Oh, not too bad if you're quick about it. Gotta be quick about it. But if you spend too long in it, that kind of temple energy will peel the skin right off of you. Wait, I, I thought you said not too bad, and now you're talking about me getting my skin peeled off of me? Oh, not too bad compared to what Loki has to do. Why? What's Loki gotta do? Violently rip myself from every thread of time and space. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Decoding TV, a podcast about television. I am David Chen. I'm Patrick Klopik. On today's episode, we're going to be discussing the season premiere of Loki Season 2. We're kicking off our Loki coverage. We're going to be recapping it and reviewing it every single week right here on Decoding TV. Should be a lot of fun. You can find more episodes of the podcast at podcast.decodingtv.com. Email us at decodingtv at gmail.com and find us on social platforms. Uh, YouTube, Instagram, TikTok, at Decoding TV, where we post clips of our conversations. So, Patrick Klepek... Let's talk about Loki season one, right? Like this is latest Loki season two, latest Marvel show, you know, when Marvel started having its TV troubles early this year. And when I say TV troubles, I mean, there were a lot of shows announced and not all of them came out this year as were planned, right? But the thing I consistently kept hearing was Loki season two is on. It is like, there is, that is not moving, right? And so they're like, that is a sure thing. Um, and my sense is that Loki season one did very well and was quite popular. Uh, they don't release really that many numbers to this effect, but that was just like my sense from being in the social media ether. Uh, and I think there's a lot of great things to recommend Loki season one. We'll start by talking about Loki season one, our overall thoughts on that. We'll talk about a few of the big plot points from Loki season one, the transfer to Loki season two. Then we'll talk about our overall thoughts on the pilot and then do a detailed recap. So that's the plan for this podcast episode today. Patrick Klepek, Loki season one, your thoughts. Oh, I, I adored the first season. Um, it was that and WandaVision or like this, like, oh, like, oh, wow. Like they're really going to do it. Like they are going to use the advantage of the television medium of episodes, even though the MCU itself is sort of an episodic drama on the scale of a film, but like use like this intimate time, these intimate budgets, this t- like the camera lingering characters to, they kind of do character studies. I think WandaVision goes off the rail by by the end, you know, gets like all punchy and kicky in a way that undercut what I thought was like otherwise a really strong dramatic arc for for two characters that were underserved in the films. And Loki, like easily like a fan favorite, like really interesting character across a number of the films, uh, finds themselves in such an interesting place after Endgame for all, all sorts of reasons, uh, life and death. Um and all the you know TVA shenanigans, the aesthetic, the soundtrack. There are lots of things I liked 
about Loki season one, but what I loved the most was its examination of a character who is a villain coming to grips with what it means to be a villain and turning turning them into like a whole person um, and exploring that and sitting with it and having conversations about it. Stuff that we don't normally associate with Marvel productions or superhero productions. Not like I say it was like a full-on deconstruction of a character, but in terms of what I normally expect out of these kinds of works, I found it to be very thoughtful and interesting and managed to weave a storyline, like a meta storyline that I just have zero interest in as a viewer of like the multiverse, like, okay, like time travel, whatever. Like I thought they did a pretty decent job of using that as a plot device and a backdrop for it ended up being a character study um, and making that alongside a character that we've lived with for 10 plus years across these films and cared about in different forms. I thought like on that respect, I thought Loki season one was like a rousing success and like unfortunately set like unusually high expectations for how I thought the rest of these experiments would go um, like contrasting Loki season one against a secret invasion in which a similar sort of character study for a, a longstanding character in this universe could have occurred, d- didn't <laughs> occur. Um, didn't even try to occur. Um, and like watching, you know, you know, starting with re- sitting with season two, uh, as we're starting to watch that thinking back on season one only makes the, the highs of Loki season one, even like sit even better contrasted to you know a show like secret invasion which but you know as as you and i have talked about many times was i think an abject failure a waste of time and and a horrible use of resources um by by marvel um (laughs) yeah but but like i I hope to convey like and one of the things i've talked about as we've talked about secret invasion or even loki's like i love this universe like even though i'm mixed in the same way i think a lot of people are who have been on this ride since since iron man like I can still feel those highs like when Marvel presents them to me. And like, I want to still go on these, these adventures with these characters. And Loki season one was a, a show that I didn't think was work as well as it did. And was so pleasantly surprised by how invested I was by the end that I couldn't help but be excited for the prospects of a season two, just because like, great, like don't graduate at all to a movie. Like let's, again, let's sit with these characters and like go deeper on that. And um, you know, whether season two accomplishes that is something, something we'll get into, but what did, what did you make of, of season one? Well, I feel like we're falling into a very familiar dynamic here where, <laughs> where Patrick is very warm and generous and, and charitable to uh, a lot of the stuff that we talk about. And I am slightly less charitable on it. You know, I- I'm actually the reverse Patrick where, uh, many of the technical elements of Loki season one are the things I loved. I thought mm. like, I love time travel stuff. I'm a big fan of like time loops and time paradoxes and all that stuff. Like I, I just love those kinds of movies, triangle time crimes. Like these are some of my favorite movies. So I, I just love this stuff. I can't get enough of it. And the stuff about Loki season one that I truly enjoyed was, uh, were the technical aspects, the production design of the TVA and, you know, uh, the fact that uh, it looks like um, 
it's straight out of Terry Gilliam's Brazil. Like the time variance authority looks like it's kind of this bureaucratic nightmare. And, uh, you know, I, I love that stuff and, and how the TVA occupies the space where like the infinity stones don't even work anymore because they're so, you know, that's how, that's how powerful the TVA is. Like they're beyond even what the infinity stones can do. And um, the score was incredible. Uh, the, you get to see uh, Tom Hiddleston and Owen Wilson, act together in something, which is something that you don't get a chance to see very often. Mm -hmm. Uh, And so many of the trappings of Loki, I thought were really quite excellent. And I think there's a reason that I think like the look of the show does capture people's imaginations because it's so unique and distinct in how the time variance authority appears and the design of the little portals they go through and the, all the little, all the worlds they travel to, like all that stuff is great. So um, a, a lot of stuff to recommend it. Bob Iger has since said, since, you know, the shows came out, like, we put people in charge of making TV who didn't know what the fuck they were doing. Basically, I'm paraphrasing, right? But, like, it really does feel like with WandaVision, with Loki, that they're still figuring out what the role of television in the MCU is. Uh, and there were some growing pains there, in my opinion. Um, and so the stuff that you said you really liked, like, I was not a fan of. Um, they basically had to redo Loki as a character in season one. Um, he basically does a speed run of his arc in, in the, uh, MC, right? Because mm-hmm. the character in Loki that we see in the TV series is the character that vanished from Endgame. Uh, yeah. The, uh, uh Avengers and is it Endgame, right? Endgame, yeah. Right? Like, yeah. It's like when they were like takes... re- revisiting the, um, you know, the attack in New York. Actually, no, no, no. The Avengers. No, 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 not Endgame. Avengers one, Right. Uh, remember he gets taken like Avengers one, like Hulk slams him down on the floor and then he gets taken down in the elevator and then he grabs a Tesseract and vanishes. That's the Loki that we are going through this Loki TV show adventure with. It's not the Loki from Avengers Endgame that like sacrificed himself for Thor and all that, you know, like it's a different version of the character. So what they had to do in Loki, like season one was play a movie of the other Loki and say like, Hey, this was you in another life. And like, you actually ended up becoming a good person. And so they had to like fast forward through all the character development that Loki would have gone on in order to get him to the point where we might, we might actually root for this character. Because again, the character in Loki season one was the guy who had just finished executing the battle on New York. Right. And so, uh, I think there was potential for them to explore like, Oh, what is it like for like an evil guy to become a good guy? But they didn't do that. They just fast forwarded past all that and basically had him become a good guy virtually right away so that he could have this interesting dynamic with Sylvie that I do think is they have great chemistry and that's genuinely good. But that occupies most of the first season. And it's less about exploring like what's it like to be evil and become good. It's more about like, okay, Loki's a good guy now. And like, how is he going to struggle to like finish this adventure and, and get to the bottom of this? And what's his relationship with Sylvie like? Which is not a terrible... Uh, not a terrible arc for that character, but it's not as interesting as what I think you your experience of it was. Mm. Um, and then the other big beef I have with Loki season one is at the end of the day, it does feel like a massive trailer for MCU phase five, you know, which is, oh, okay. So they, they get to the bottom of who's behind the TVA. They get to the timekeepers and then it's, oh, the timekeepers aren't actually the people in charge of the TVA. It's actually he who remains and they kill he who remains at the end of the season one of the look. And it's like, um, 
and, and he who remains delivers a like 20 minute long monologue, basically explaining who he is and what the premise of the multiverse is. That really does feel like it's set up for future seasons of Loki and or future movies from the MCU. Uh, and I, at the end of the day, I couldn't escape that I was watching a extended trailer for the MCU as opposed to something that felt like it had a fully satisfying arc on its own. Yeah, I guess, um, I guess we disagree on... Yeah. I, I Look, anything in the MCU is, to some degree, teasing the next thing in the MCU. It is it is a chapter in a book. It is, it is, yeah. it is They are lifting that directly from how comics structured themselves. Like, for good and much more increasingly for worse. <laughs> um, uh, but I, I guess, f- for me, I really bought in to the Loki and Sylvie thing. It yeah completely yeah. worked for me. Yeah, yeah. And so when I get to the end of season one and they've fallen for each other and they have that moment at the end of time with yeah. he who remains that to me was a complete arc for these characters. And that when he gets kicked through a time portal and the time streams unraveling, yada, yada, like to me, yes, I saw where this was setting up a lot of like the upcoming phases of the MCU. But to me, that was, backdrop to what I found to be an extremely compelling dynamic between these two characters. Your mileage then varies on the percentage of how that works based on how well those characters worked for you. And it sounded like it worked better for me than it did for you. But when I got to the end, like part of this, cause I just don't really care about the multiverse. So it was just like, seems like a boring <laughs> right. way to go with the storytelling here. <laughs> right. Right. But I found. Yeah. yeah but sure. the emotional sh- truth, we, we just finished talking about Ahsoka and how like the emotional truth of that show didn't ring true for us. But I, I think you're right. Like when Sylvie basically betrays Loki at the end of season one, that, that did, work. that's an impactful moment. It right? hits, and, yeah. and, that did, and that did work. So uh, that's completely fair, Patrick. And I, let me, I'll rein it back. I do. I, I agree. I, I didn't love the execution of the Loki Sylvie arc. I think it's rushed is the, is yeah. the worst thing I could say about it. Um, but I do think you're right. It is an arc. And so I do want to give credit to where credit's due. Now, having said all of my complaints about Loki season one, <laughs> I think these are like really talented people working on the show. Like I think every, what it, fe- it feels like ta- talent is emanating off of the show. And I feel like these are people who like, they understand, like they probably learned some lessons from season one of Loki. This is what, is this the first time we've seen a Marvel season two of something? Um, it is. Uh, I think the only other show that's gotten a season two is the like anthology series. What if, which is what more if? like that's short, right. short stories that yeah, are yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, computer animated. But in terms of, you know, lots of other shows made sense for a season two, but a lot of them have just like not gotten <laughs> yeah. like a show like She-Hulk definitely should have gotten a season two. Like you, right, made a, right, a, right. A, you know, a con- anyway, but yes, I, I believe you are broadly right that in terms of like a live action thing. Yeah. Is this season two, but it's still what three years in between seasons like two oh, two right. i think two years in between two but, years. but my, my my point is that um as we all know you learn a lot of things when you're doing a thing when you're yeah. doing the thing you learn a lot about like you might not know like where is the story taking you until you start doing the story you know uh it, it's a very common phenomenon where like uh, a showrunner or a writer will like write a character and then they cast jeremy strong as um Kendall Roy, right? And then it's like, oh my god, like, like my mind is going to all new places about where this character could be and the the potential of the story that we could tell. And I'm sure there's many moments like that happened during Loki season one, uh, where they learned a ton. They're they're super talented people making the show, and they're like, okay, now that we have a bunch of lessons learned, 
Let's take all that into Loki season two. And by the way, let's add some Academy Award winning actors to the mix as well. I'm like, okay, <laughs> I am psyched for Loki season two. I feel like, again, the only show to get a season two live action so far. It's like, hey, uh, this is sh- making TV shows is a job where you learn on the job. And so yeah. I'm like maybe the, these people have learned more about how to structure and plan out the story uh, that they're telling here. And so I am really excited about Loki season two. And so I have to say, minor spoiler, so far what I've seen uh, makes me feel like my excitement is well-placed. Um, so I, I will say one last issue about Loki season one that I do feel will be relevant in our conversation about Loki season two, which is that um, Loki season one did feel like it really wanted to pull some twists like every episode it felt like westworld season two in many ways where it's like uh aha the the real thing behind the thing is this aha but not Mm really you know like it felt like it just kept wanting to one up itself and i hope like that i find that to be a very tiresome um format of storytelling because the problem with that form of storytelling is you don't know what you're watching. Like, okay, is should I take at face value what you're telling me or should I assume that this is going to be revealed to be a facade and, and then it's like, well, what are we doing here? Um, so I think Loki season one did also suffer from that as well. So for all the reasons I've enumerated, like Loki season one wasn't fully successful for me, but there's a lot, uh, There's it has a lot going for it and I would still ultimately recommend it for anyone. Like it's it's one of the best Marvel's TV shows that has been made. Yeah, so, absolutely. I agree. Um, it and WandaVision are the, are the best ones. And so it's like, if if you're interested in this world, it's still something I would feel comfortable recommending. But I had a lot of problems with Loki season one that I hope will be re- resolved in Loki season two. So anyway, um, those are some overall thoughts on Loki season one. And, and uh, before we move on to Loki season two, also want to mention uh, where the status quo is. Patrick Klepek. I don't know about you, but I felt like the uh, show didn't really do a great job of like getting us up to speed on... What's going on with uh, season two? Deeply uninterested. Um, <laughs> even even for people like you and I who like watch the show, think about this, like in theory are keeping it more top of mind than yeah. the average person because they got busy lives. Don't have to th- like, like the way this show starts. It's like, whoa, whoa I, hey, hey, whoa. Like we're already running. Like just like, what? <laughs> Loki season two basically begins seconds after or minutes after Loki season one ends. There's a previously on that, in my opinion, does a very poor job of get, getting you up to speed. And I, by the way, I think the previously on being so bad is a testament to how, in my opinion, unnecessarily complicated Loki season one was. Like, there's just so many twists and contrivances that I just like, it, it didn't need all that to land the emotional core of what you just described, Patrick, of like Sylvie and Loki getting together. Well, or, they don't or, even or, try to convey that in the... The previously on really exactly. it's just like here's a bunch of plot like that barely makes any sense unless you've read up on it right, right. So, and it's like yeah. like at the end of the day all that really matters is like different timelines variants like yeah. they've been killing off these things like the, the the core of that show was like but i think part of the issue is like this previously on what are you going to do a bunch of times setting up uh loki and sylvie like they're not in this episode like you know like, like sylvie <laughs> yeah. not yeah. present for much right. of this episode. maybe it'll be in the next previously on right we'll see yes. so okay okay so here are some facts about season one that we should know about right um season one introduces us to the time variance authority an organization that tried to maintain order in the space-time continuing and was uh, continuum and was charged with pruning anomalies the organization was run by the timekeepers uh 
who are like these three wise people who we eventually learn are fake and they're actually being puppeteered by he who remains, who's basically Kang the Conqueror, a uh, character we meet in Ant-Man Quantumania, Ant-Man of the Wasp Quantumania. Uh, so we also learn that there are other versions of ourselves called variants uh, living in alternate timelines. And we're introduced a character called Sylvie, a variant of Loki who got ripped out of her life by the Time Variance Authority, the TVA. Uh, and then as a result, like has her whole life taken away from her and develops a vendetta against the TVA. She wants to destroy the TVA. Um, we also learned that the people who work at the TVA were themselves variants and kidnapped and brainwashed to work in the TVA. They had lives before. And that's one of the big revelations of Loki season one. Again, there's just tons, there's tons of like reveals, right? There's like, aha, uh-huh, this and aha, uh-huh, it's like, it's a lot of, a lot of stuff. Um, so anyway, uh, we're introduced to he who remains AKA Kang, uh, who used to be a scientist from future earth that discovered the multiverse and who traveled around and realized that, uh, alternates of himself wanted to start multiverse trouble. And he was able to end all that trouble by creating the TVA and policing the timeline and avoiding a multiversal war. But turns out Kang is getting tired of doing his job. He's like, I don't want to fight anymore. So he's like, uh, Loki and Sylvie, I've laid out this elaborate sequence of events so that you would arrive here and either uh, and, and kill me and take over my job, right? Um, or you can kill me or take over my job, you know, like one or the other. Um, either way, I don't need to worry about it anymore, right? Like, uh, and then Sylvie is so racked with grief and revenge that she decides to murder Kang and push Loki into a time portal, which sends him back to the TVA, only at a different point in time, one in which Kang's face is all over the place, similar to the ending of Tim Burton's Planet of the Apes. <laughs> uh, the only other thing to mention is that uh, Gugu Mbatha-Raw plays a character called Ravona Renslayer who works at the TVA and at the end of season one decided to go off in search of free will. Uh, and so that's a, another thing that's going to be resolved. I think that's most of the stuff from season one that we need to care about for season two, right, Patrick? Yeah, I think that's um, right. But all that stuff I just said, it would have really helped me out if I knew all that before I watched season two. So that's why, <laughs> that's why I repeated that all here today because maybe people are listening to this um, not having rewatched season one and you know, that will help get you up to speed. So uh, anyway, those are a bunch of facts and details and thoughts from season one of Loki. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Even on a budget, quality is non-negotiable. That's why Quince is the place to score high-end essentials at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just 60 bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. And the best part about Quince? They exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. Go to Quince.com upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns. All right, let's get to season two of Loki, Patrick Klepek. What did you think overall of the, the first episode? Uh, I quite like it. Um, I there is a you know we'll get to there's like a 
incredibly strong sequence that yes. you know takes place in the basement of the the TVA oh, that is just a amazing. masterfully structured, yes. edited, just a bit of Incredible. comedic drama. It's it's Incredible. it's one of the my favorite things I have probably seen this year, and just tickled. Um, I don't have a great sense of where this season is going. I have my worries about can this show maintain its own identity without being sucked in to the larger Marvel universe and set like, I didn't view the first season too much of a uh, explicit trailer for what's to come. I thought there was enough core identity at the show that it accomplished its, its, its reason to exist as a show while also accomplishing these other things, which is really the structure that, most Marvel projects uh, have like even the best of them, like a black Panther are still still accomplishing those other tasks. And then it's just how best can you do it within that structure here? I think there are a lot of elements in place for interesting storytelling, but, and this is all like, and we'll get into this about the whole Jonathan majors of it and like his presence here and like what the implications are and how that makes you feel watching it. But you know, ant man of the Wasp: quantum mania was so weighed down by like that weight of like, Hey, the next five years of movies and television shows are going to be influenced by this guy, this thing got to make sure that people understand that. And while that was present in the finale of Loki season one, uh, and was implied by the consequences of the events of season one, there was still like a strong through line of like, wh- why, what are these characters motivated by? Why are they doing the things that they're doing in season one? And so I'm, I'm worried even though I don't think it's present in the first episode, that that weight is gonna is gonna buckle harder on a season two. We're that much closer to a secret wars. We're that much closer to this other stuff where this character has to be more important if they stick on the track that that Marvel has been on for these next few phases. But all those like future concerns aside, you and I have only watched the first episode. I know some critics have seen seen more of it. Um, it's a really fucking entertaining hour of television it is snappy it's beautiful to look at i loved i love how talky it is like and it's not um that joss whedon sort of like like tired exhausted form of comedy that like defined marvel for so long they find their own forms of comedy that um aren't just poking fun at the world like it happens in the editing it happens in like setups and paths it's just owen wilson is fantastic in it like does so much comedic work in this episode has so many great physical moments that i was laughing at i just found myself enthralled from from start to finish but just without a good sense of what does it all mean where are we going what's the dramatic weight for the next five episodes i don't know but if i was just looking to be at this moment happy to be back in the world of loki i think the first episode knocks that part out of the park I pretty much agree with you, Patrick. I had a great time with this episode as well. I think Kihui Kwan fits right into this oh world. My God. Like, I mean, like, just like a glove. Like, yes, <laughs> it's, ama- it's amazing. And I think um, the show continues to look incredible. Like, it just it's, it has this, the design of the world is just so captivating. And it just demands your attention because it's like, wow, the... Uh, Every few seconds, you're seeing something that's like, wow, so much thought was put into conveying an idea with that specific visual, uh, specifically just around like the, how the TVA is designed, right? Like the TVA has a really interesting, unique design that's like a combination. It's like um, 
retro futurism basically it's like mm-hmm. you know it looks like it's like mid mid 20th century but also from the future with like hallways that go on forever and with like um a lot of curves basically like a lot of curved arches and surfaces and so on and so forth uh and uh yeah it's it it, it is a very entertaining show episode and continues to be an entertaining show and i share your questions and concerns about where it's going and i particularly hope again one of my big complaints of season one is like there's just too much stuff going too much plot too much stuff going on you don't need that much stuff to really um be an interesting show to like the the emotional core is what people care about and i do worry that season two will get bogged down in that as well like there's multiple scenes i had to like rewind and like re-listen to what was said just to follow what was actually happening in this episode. Uh, I don't know if you had a similar experience, but I was like, wait, so he needs to go to what to do, where to well, where sh- to do what. And like, <laughs> I mean, the show know. I think is, I think we'll get into this as we go with like specific breakdowns of, of, of the, of the arc of the episode. But like, I mean, look, pilots are hard and, and like, this is fun- functionally like a pilot again, coming a couple of years later, like you're doing all this heavy work and all these terms that is like so much gobbledygook. And it seems like the show is aware like, Okay, okay, okay. We're throwing a lot at you. We're gonna say it a couple different times. No, but- no, 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 no. I, I don't agree with your formula. Like they don't do any. They don't do jack shit to explain the TVA. They're introducing completely brand new stuff that they didn't need to introduce. Quote unquote need to. I mean, obviously they will need to for the plot. But I'm just saying, like they they didn't. They're not like reusing a bunch of shit from the first season, right? Well, no, they're I, like I I yeah. I know I I agree. I just mean in terms of the structure of new element introduced. Show seeming to be aware, we should probably explain this a couple of times and finding a way to do that in a way that is like funny and interesting. Like, I like it yeah, seems like that, they, that they, I'll grant you, yeah. Like, they see, you, like, yeah. they can sort of see a flaw, like, whether you call it a flaw or not, but like, ugh, like, okay, how do we explain this very comic, comic booky concept, right? Um, right. and finding interesting and fun ways to like repeat that knowledge to the audience. Which, look, you could go, hey, maybe don't get that, like, there are, <laughs> there are other ways of doing this, but I think. If you're embracing the comic bookness of it all, which I think different elements of this episode does, they do some pretty clever things to work around that and also embrace it at the same time, which I think is kind of interesting. I think that's completely fair, and I think you're right that like, but but I think if you do that too many times, it does get exhausting. Is what I'm sure. Saying, right? and, yeah, and you so, can't do you can't yeah. do the trick that they use here six yeah, more times exactly, it works really exactly. well here yeah and if yeah. like that specific sort of setup and structure happens five more times it's it's gonna feel worse you know every right. single time they roll it out let's talk about what actually happens in the episode the second season of loki opens with an alternate version of the tva where a huge statue of kang looms large let's pause here for a second patrick uh so i think what we are I'm not 100% sure about this, but I think what we're meant to understand is that and I did I did try to like look into this. I like watched a few videos, I read a few articles, but like it was still difficult for me to decipher. And I think what we're meant to understand is like my interpretation is that over the years there have been many different iterations of the TVA. Mm-hmm. Um just like how in the Matrix Reloaded, there was like many different versions of the Matrix over time. They like yeah, kept cyclical. reinventing it. It's yeah. cyclical, right? And so Loki was sent to a point in time where the TVA had Kang the Conqueror. 
uh, Jonathan Major's character, like he was the guy who was like the one who created the TVA and ran it explicitly. And that's why like later on when he like puts the rod into the wall, you know, Kang's face is still under there. So we're in an older version of the TVA, not like an alternate universe version, but just like previous point in time. Does that make sense? What do you think? That doesn't make sense. And I think your, your interpretation is supported by the like on screen text of the show. Like yeah. not to jump too far ahead, but they're in the there's a post credit scene in which like it says where we are, like we're yeah. in blah blah blah, but then also says branched timeline. Right. right. And, and so, so it, like, it didn't it didn't say that at the it beginning. It didn't of the say episode, that. So I'm right? to assume that yeah. we are in the sacred prime timeline, however right. you want to call it, but yeah. in a previous version where Kane was like, I'm just going to be out here. Yeah, and at some I'm point, out. <laughs> and then I assume like multivorce war heck comes in. Like, oh shit, time to start over again. Right. I, Wipes I gotta, everyone's brain. I got to go into like, hiding. I got to go into hiding and not be so upfront. You know, yeah, no, time I, to do another draft of the TVA. I can't put my face on main anymore. I need to. <laughs> yeah, he's got to go to know. a private account. I yeah, I got to go to, gotta go to a Finsta uh, after this. So, <laughs> All right. So Loki's on the run because nobody, including his old pal Morbius, recognizes him. He leaps off a nearby ledge into a flying taxi before crashing into a different part of the TVA and running into another friend who doesn't recognize him, Casey. So he's really confused and he be- begins to scream as he's ripped through time to the present where Casey does recognize him. Uh, let's pause for a moment. I just thought this is a pretty cool sequence like just cool overall and the time ripping effect is cool everything just looks cool it's clearly inspired by like um i'm gonna say scenes from uh star wars attack of the clones Mm -hmm. or uh, revenge of the sith like the car scene right um fifth element you know felt like it reminded me of the fifth element scene where he's like in this car that's like going through this futuristic city um but uh yeah i mean the show is back and it's like oh this looks really freaking cool anyway uh, let me know if you have any thoughts. Otherwise, I'm going to keep. Well, going. I, I'd say like yeah. one of the the I think the strengths of Loki's production design means that it helps straddle an issue the these superhero films, Marvel stuff in particular, uh, anything shot in the volume have where it's just like you can the physical stuff helps ground you, and then you can still have the fun of the like I know that that background like they didn't build it like I know that's a visual like I I can see that I know it's an effect. But because the production design and the physical elements of the world are so well realized, like it just does a really great job of letting the fantastical stuff that I know in my head is fake if I think about it for too long, just be the fun spectacle, like mm-hmm. filling in gaps that would look like wouldn't look as interesting if they were trying to do it through some old school production means. And so and that's part of like the real strength of the show is is because that where the characters are like they're often in a place and then aided by the things around it. And those things just work in concert so well, because I think that production design is so strong and so visually striking. Yeah. So to be, to be right back in that, I think is like speaks to what you were talking about, like where the aesthetics of the TVA, like allow them to just like strike that balance between like how they display the fantastical while also grounding these characters. Like it's one of my favorite elements of the show that when you see it done, right. It's like, gosh, I wish like more productions could find a way to, to do this as well. Yeah. Yeah. Elsewhere, Mobius and B-15 mull over their discovery that the entire mission of pruning variants has been ruining lives for as long as the DVA has existed. Uh, Casey reveals that he'd briefly seen Loki before they're interrupted and asked to appear before a new judges council to explain what's going on. As B-15 and Mobius depart, Loki reappears to try and catch up with Loki, uh, to try and catch up with Mobius. 
At the judges' council, a decapitated head of a timekeeper sits on the table while Mobius and B-15 are grilled for their decision to stop pruning branches and maintaining the sacred timeline. The two explain that they're all actually variants and Kang had purged memories of their past lives. B-15 proposes the new mission of the TVA is to protect the new branches that are spreading, at which point Loki reappears and uses a pruning baton to destroy a wall, revealing Kang's face. Let's pause here for a moment, Patrick, and talk about some of the stuff going on here, right? So... And I think it's worth talking about the Jonathan Majors of it all as well. Yeah. Um, but, uh, yeah, the idea that the TVA has been doing, you know, war crimes, you know, is going to be interesting to see how, like, that plays out. Like, uh, and, but they do need to introduce, like, <laughs> this show needs bureaucracy to, like, function as a show. And so it's like, okay, well, the timekeepers are no longer existence and Kang's, that version of Kang's dead. So we need to just introduce this whole other construct of like these judges because we you can't have um this show function without like uh, some some kind of authority figure with which you have some friction, right? Like and and so uh I'm not mad about it. You know, they introduce these new characters who are like this this judges council and they need to kind of argue with them about what the what the fate of the TVA is going to be. Um so yeah, I, I guess any thoughts on that construct, and then we can talk about the the, the Kang stuff. Yeah, uh, I mean, I think that's part of the fun of the show, right? Like we like the annoying friction of bureaucracy and right. red tape, and I mean, there's that moment in the judges' council where you're supposed to identify yourself, like wait your turn for the light to be on before you yeah. speak. Like, yeah, those are just especially contrasted against what we consider to be friction in these types of stories. And even though Loki is more of a trickster and is not as powerful as a, a Thor or something like that, like you still think of them on that sort of scale as, as characters. And it's fun to watch them be put into like an office setting, basically. Like that's just like that's inherently funny and interesting. And so the 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 goal of the show has to be, well, we have to make those frictions interesting then. Like yeah. just like merely introducing them is not enough. It has to make sense within the world. And it does make sense in this world that you would take out one block and they would just put another one in because again, like these people have been doing this for all time. Like for as far as we know, you know, an infinite amount of time, like a way of time that we cannot even conceive. And the idea of then breaking those rules, if anything, it's a little goofy that they convince the council so quickly, uh, or these elements (laughs) of the council. They're like, I think we should stop doing what we've been doing forever um because they haven't exactly sh- i mean yes the timekeepers are robots uh and are fake um so that would be a bit of a yes. like that seems bad <laughs> that but, like, might, they, yeah. but like they haven't like mobius and loki don't talk about the conversation with he who remains until after this you know what i mean like it's not as though like you kind of get to this moment in the story and you as the audience member know a lot more than many of the characters do and if they knew everything that like Loki does, then they might be a little more interested in like, I, I feel like some of that is a little yada yada to like yeah. shift the priorities of the TVA. I don't think it's like story breaking by any means, but, um, uh, but I do like this new bureaucratic function uh, of the, of the TVA. And I, again, like, as we'll get to with, you know, Obi, like the intro, like the joy of this show frequently is, like going in an elevator and going to a new place. Like, what did they come up with? And so that's like part of what I like about this show is like, what did something in the writer's room where they were like, no, it'd be really funny if we did this. 
and then it, doing something really funny is if like one of the guys was just sl- like sleeping the whole time you know like and that, <laughs> yeah, that, that was, was, a good was that a good was bit. very amusing that's amusing yeah uh, i do want to call out rafael casal uh is an actor who play he you might have seen him in blind spotting if you've seen that movie mm-hmm. um, but he plays kind of one of the new tva guards that i think is going to be a character this season so mm. um he plays the guy that like escorts them to the judges and yeah, i think he's, he's probably going to be a major character bad vibes yeah. bad vibes from that yeah. guy uh, but yeah, very, very compelling actor. And I'm looking forward to seeing what he has to do this season. So Jonathan Majors, Patrick, I mean, Jonathan Majors has been accused of some uh, not great stuff. And also his reputation has really taken a bruising online uh, in the last year, basically. Um, and there was rampant speculation that he is was going to be dropped by Marvel. Uh, and a lot of questions about why Marvel didn't say anything uh, about his role in the MCU, and still hasn't as of right now. As as far as we know, um, he is Jonathan Majors is still going to be like a major character, excuse the pun, a significant character in the mm-hmm. MCU, uh, which is a bit of a shame, a bit of a distraction, because first of all, you're introducing him as a character who literally has like tons of different versions, so like. By definition, you could easily cast someone else and like have that make sense. Um, but I do think that it does feel like they shot a bunch of stuff. Like like he is deeply integrated into the DNA of the show. I don't think. Yeah, right? I think that in front of Marvel was reshoot the show. Yeah, yeah. or live with this. I I you know we'll see what happens. My expectation is part of the reason Marvel hasn't said anything is that the end of this show might answer it for us um and that really uh i I think it's more like they're waiting for this whole thing to blow over or or you're right maybe they're like let's just get loki out the door and then we can cut ties with jonathan majors like that's possible too like they might just be like let's get loki on the door then we'll recast because yeah he is it, it would have been based on what i understand and what i've seen it would have been very difficult to replace him for the show without redoing it and they probably spent over 100 million dollars on this show is my guess yeah right? I, I guess i just mean I, I it would not surprise me if in a post credits scene of you know episode mm-hmm. 6 of the show we are sort of given an answer on like what marvel intends to do with this character i do not i i would be shocked even if majors is the legal system is complicated you know look at what happened with uh Who's the the Rick and Morty uh, writer? The um, Justin Roiland. Justin Roiland, right? Like you may not be held to account in the legal system, and still, what you have done is worthy of being stripped of your like public status. And my guess is that is where Jonathan Majors ends up. In which we cannot possibly know what happens in the legal system. It's easily manipulated. He is, uh, he is, you know, has a lot of money. Like it's complicated. You can't. Someone can seem as though they should be punished and. They may not work out that way. That said, I think we have a lot of outside evidence of their character, of their behavior that is beyond these specific incidents that like first led uh, to to all of this discussion and angst over where does he fit in like as an actor that has been like frequently done incredible performances, right? Like that it, it always makes this tension so much worse when like someone is revealed to appear to be a monster when you broadly like delight at seeing them appear on screen. I think John Majors has been like largely seen as someone who's like, wow, they are going to be one of the faces of movies for the next 20 years. Like that's the kind of charisma they have on screen. Hi. But I, I think, I think yeah. we know enough about majors at this point that 
unless I, I, I guess I would just say, even if we learn nothing in Loki season two, if they decide to remain silent, I will be genuinely shocked if they stuck with the actor going forward. I think it just got really messy for them to explain to want to talk about it when the show is hanging over them, right? Like right, just right. get the show out. And then yeah, like, yeah, yeah. we will, we will silent. We like quietly realize eventually in the Hollywood reporter that like, here are the actors that Marvel is looking at to put as, right, as, uh, right. as this character going. Yeah. Forward. But it's a little bit awkward when it's like, look, we know he's extremely problematic, but also we spent $140 million filming season two and we can't just undo that. So uh, we're not going to say anything. That doesn't benefit anyone for them to say that. Uh, so, but I, I guess it's worth bringing up just to say if people had any questions about why Disney hasn't announced something, it's highly plausible that one of the reasons is that he is so deeply integrated into season two of, of, uh, Loki. Yeah. and, and maybe afterwards they're going to be like, okay, that's done. Now let the, let the recasting process begin. We will right. see, we will see. Uh, but it does seem like the most likely path right now. So anyway, or maybe and, they're and, just hoping it, maybe they're just hoping it's all going to blow over. You know, that's also possible. So, yeah, yeah. And I think it will be something we will like personally talk about more as we watch this show further. Yeah. Like, you kind of get to sidestep it a bit here because Jonathan Majors isn't isn't like a principal character in this episode. But again, I think you're right. The reason they have completely gone silent on this is because I think we're going to get into like episodes three, four, five, whatever, and it's gonna be like, oh right, he's been in the like the, <laughs> he is just here. He's you know, like in major scenes, you know. And why it's did like, Warner Brothers and- not like recast like the Flash? Oh shit! Like the main yeah. actor is two main principal characters yeah, exactly. in the film. We just got to eat this L and move yeah, on. And, and like a lot of uh, Loki looks like it was shot on like you know. There's a lot of CG that's really brilliant, but a lot of it does look like they actually built sets or parts of sets. Uh, and it's like you can't just go in the volume and redo that with someone else. Like it's not possible. Yeah, uh, or it's not practical to do that. So uh, we will see how it plays out. Uh, but wanted to acknowledge the Jonathan Majors of it all because sure, I think it is going to be a topic people are thinking about. All right. As some members of the Judges Council decide their next move is hunting down Sylvie, Loki explains to Mobius about the meeting with He Who Remains, the consequences of killing him, how war is coming. Mobius continues to struggle with having no recollection of past events before witnessing Loki moving through time. Mobius believes he knows someone who can help. Uh, let me pause here. Th- this dialogue scene between the two of them was like Ugh. so delightful like uh with <laughs> you know mobius being like oh yeah it doesn't look like it's that painful and he's like oh it's actually agonizing he's like yeah it really does look painful i was just saying that to be nice earlier like <laughs> it, you know the, the time skipping looks like it's like really painful for loki to experience i mean it, and, it's, it's the closest that the the mc i mean the mc plays with this a little bit in uh multiverse of madness but you know not a particularly gory franchise but and here i like it's the closest they get to body horror in mm, in marvel mm. like it's yeah. fast and it's more implied than explicit but it's it's definitely within that ballpark like what's happening to the physical elements of loki during that transition are upsetting uh to look at and i think there's a reason that it goes that i can almost imagine in the you know, like doing, uh, you know, getting dim- different visual effects tests. They're like, well, how fast should it be? And it's like, well, let's do yeah, it 30% yeah. speed. And it's like, whoa, no, that's fucked up. Like you right, got to crank, right. crank that thing up so that yeah. the younger audiences like still want to, still want to watch this show. And it leads up to, you know, we even got, you know, the, there's the, the brilliantly edited sequence later, yeah. but, but like as, tar- as far as a like one off joke, like 
in the elevator when the camera pans over as he time slips and there's the other employee of the TVA that's <laughs> yeah. just in there. It's like, yeah. well, what did you think about it? And it's like, I was howling. It like, was, it was amazing. Funny, most I've laughed. Like lots of MCU stuff is funny, but there are some like really good, like yes. jokey jokes here that really landed for me. And, and like the banter between the two of them is great. Like, uh, they just have great chemistry with each other. You're watching Tom Hiddleston and Owen Wilson like bounce off each other. And this is why a season two can often have like a higher potential than a season one, which is like, yeah. we already know these characters. We already know their relationship. We already know their personalities. And now you get to just set them loose on each other. And uh, the results are wonderful. So uh, love seeing the two of them back in the mix together. Uh, deep within the TVA, Mobius brings Loki to Ouroboros or Obi played by Ki Hui Kwan, who runs a department that resembles a mailroom. While talking to Obi, Loki moves back through time, which Obi calls time slipping. In the past, Loki explains to a past version of Obi what's going on, which in turn provides Obi in the present with memories of his conversation with Loki. Loki convinces Obi to build a device that should solve the time slipping, which appears next to Obi in the presence. It's called a oral extractor, I believe, is the, uh, is the name of the device. Um, and we talked about the sequence already, but it's amazing it's so good it and and it, it works largely because of kiwe kwan's kind of befuddlement at what is going on <laughs> like he just does such a good job of playing that character uh but like cutting back and forth and like giving this person you know information and facts hundreds of years in the past and then them suddenly remembering in the future everything comes together the editing the fact that the location looks significantly different in each time frame the performance like it all comes together to make like a really incredible sequence what did you think patrick Klepek? i i couldn't agree more i was really kind of an astonishment because in like writing that paragraph that sounds like nonsense like the paragraph <laughs> i wrote to summarize that sequence betray and, and i think it goes to show like when you some of the difficulty with adapting works like this, like when you're pulling from comic books and different like these really comp things that sound like kind of fun on the page, but then reading something like these, these very complicated convoluted uh, ideas of, of time and just like the standard stuff that you see in comic books. It's one thing to see it like written down, think it in your head, see it illustrated. And then the moment it comes out of a person's mouth in front of a camera the st- like we've talked about this, like when we talked about this with Ahsoka, like the stakes are just higher. You have to work harder to get the audience in on it. And there is so much of that here in Loki. Part of it is the show leaning into like, isn't it funny how much gobbledygook is here? Like the techno babble is like part of the fun. Like it's not just a distraction to make it sound like it's confusing for confusing sake to give a sense of grandiosity like it is like hey like it's kind of fun to say all these weird words and put them in a sentence together but that sequence alone gave me a certain kind of confidence in the storytelling going forward it's like all right totally totally if you're gonna be able if you're gonna take what is often like that sequence is so easy to imagine a different version of it where obi is just hello Welcome to the exposition factory. Right. Like I'm well, here. The, or literally what happened at the end of season one of Loki. Right. Right. Yes. But, yes. And yeah. it still is an exposition factory, but done so in the tone of the show, yes. leaning into the strengths of all the actors. And like, it's just like one of the, I rewound it and watched it again. Just like that is, it's a really incredible sequence. And in some ways 
like unfortunate that it's like I hate to say stuck on a TV show, but it's just like I I it's like stuck in this long sequence of movies and TVs. And like it's one of my favorite things I'm probably going to see on screen this year. And it's like you have to have so much investment in time in this particular like cinematic universe to like arrive at this point. But uh, if you have like the the two of us have, I it was just such a it's such a joy. It was like, oh, man, I hope this if this is the floor, like what is the ceiling on different sequences in the show going forward? Um, Absolutely. Um, Absolutely brilliant. Brilliant sequence. Bravura sequence. Amazing. This episode of television is probably the most aligned you and I have ever been on anything, Patrick. Which is wonder. It's wonderful. It's wonderful. It's a good feeling. It's a good well, feeling. Well, it's like a, like a Ahsoka. I'm on one side. You're there. <laughs> and then we watch the Continental, and you're desperately trying to be on one side, and then eventually <laughs> got to my side. And so, you yeah. know, we'll see yeah. where we we'll see where we end up by uh, the end of end of Loki. Yeah, I'm a little bit wary because I think Loki season one started very strongly as well. Yeah, and, for sure. And, I agree. And I don't think it ended as strongly. And so, uh, but we'll see. Loki season two so far really really promising. Okay, so the group arrives at this place called the Temporal Loom which is the heart of the TVA. Uh, Obi believes it's possible to retrofit the TVA to handle its new mission, but it requires closing the blast doors. Before he closes the blast doors, Mobius needs to walk into the rapidly breaking down temporal loom and use Obi's device to pull Loki out of the time stream, or Loki will be lost to time forever. Loki time slips again, and for a brief moment sees Sylvie. At the last second, he's able to escape the time stream and make it back inside the TVA with Mobius, saving both of them. Finally, B-15 watches as one of the members of the Judges Council has finished raiding the TVA's armory, claiming to be on a mission to find Sylvie, but clearly preparing for war. Hey, Patrick, before we talk about all this stuff, when when Loki makes it back into the TVA with Mobius, isn't it at a different time than what they were at before, if I recall correctly? I believe so. I, I don't... Y- yeah. It was a little unclear to me where Loki is. Like, it was future... not... Basically, Mobius ends up in a different place than where he started if I recall mm, correctly. Mm, and I think mm. they, they did a good job with that, with like showing the, like, it was so cool. Like stuff that in the show you think is insignificant, like uh, Mobius writing skin on the side of the thing. It then becomes a plot point in the show, which I just like, is really well done. I thought yeah. so. Um, but yes, uh, Mobius arrives at, with Loki at like a different point in time by the end of the show. And it's unclear, like what's going to happen with the two of them. Um, uh, yeah, and I I think we'll find out. We'll the the question of what's going on there will be answered more significantly in the next in the next episode. Yeah, um, I agree. But I, I yeah, I thought that I thought that sequence with the blast doors was also really great. I think, and again, it speaks to some of the strengths of the show, in which like this is the most like effects heavy portion. Where like there's just stuff happening on the screen, and it looks cool. Well, yeah, but just the I, idea the idea of the temporal loom itself and, like, fusing the strands of time to get, you know, like, it's all these... When he goes, and, like, Owen Wilson goes, Mobius goes out there with, like, a physical... Like, again, like, it does a right. really de- good job, I think, of, like, having physical real-world things that then interact with the broader uh, effects yeah. that are happening on screen and the characters that, like, you care about, like, to what degree, like, is going to vary. But I think the show is the show is centering those characters, right? Like, I think it's it's pulling a balancing act. But again, I, I find it very interesting to contrast this with our own reactions to Ahsoka, in which um, this is also another long-running series as part of a, mu- a much broader tapestry in a franchise. And I think 
like Loki at its best. And I, I, you know, I agree with you, like season one becoming worse as it goes along or losing a little bit of the plot on that. But I do think the show understands like, why are you here? Like, and whether season two maintains that, I don't know. But like, even in moments like that, where lots of pretty colors are going along the screen, like I'm invested in like Owen Wilson, like getting down there. Like I'm stressed when um, like Obi is pressing the button and the blast doors are closing. And like, it's cool to have those stakes when like, you know, you're usually getting to the point where, you know, all the, all the effects are flying this way and that way. Yeah. Yeah. I will say one thing that does annoy me about the show is uh, setting it up as though, like, if this doesn't happen, then Loki's going to be lost forever. And then it's like, I, okay, guys, I don't think Loki's going to be lost forever. Okay? Yeah. Like, yeah. That, that's annoying. And by the way, they, they pulled a similar thing in season one, too, where uh, they don't explain to you what pruning does, right? It's very clever. They're like, we prune, and it looks like it vaporizes the person. But then it turns out it just sends you to a different place where all the people who have pruned end up. And this is a clever answer. Like that's a really good, I I thought that was one of the better reveals of season one. But I guess it's just like this idea of like there being multiple fake outs for Loki dying. Like that, that annoys me. And so I agree. Uh, is he really lost the time forever? I don't. Let's let's not. You know, c- cool it, Kiwi Kwan. Okay, like. <laughs> well, then who, actually, that's who do, why. I who thought... do you think? Who do you think you're fooling here when you say that? Is the, <laughs> is the question right? So uh, yeah, that's why I thought the like one of the last like kind of repeated jokes in the episode about how painful it could be for Mobius and how painful it could be for Loki was a better way of adding tension to the scene was the 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 repeated jokes of the monstrous physical pain the two of them were going to go through as a result of the process yeah was like a more effective way of creating tension than saying well he might die it's like no the show is called loki like yeah, he's not going to die just, come on come yeah on. come on guys all right please <laughs> and in episode one two i mean that's like an episode five move okay come on guys uh all right so uh, i also want to give a shout out to kate dickey very talented uh, character actress who's appeared in shows like Game of Thrones and she was in The Witch and uh, she's in this season and she's kind of overseeing the TVA gearing up for whatever battle's coming next. So um, we'll see how that plays out. In a post credit scene, Sylvie shows up in a branched timeline in Broxton, Oklahoma in 1982 and visits McDonald's. After hearing what's on the menu, Sylvie says ominously, I want to try everything. Uh, so that's what happens in the post credit scenes. I, I have a feeling we'll find out more about what's going on there in the next episode. Patrick Klepek, any other thoughts on this episode of Loki season two? Overall, really solid episode. Great, strong beginning. Looking forward to what's coming next. Yeah, on the same page. Like I, I, I like that I kind of don't know where it's going. Um, uh, we'll, we'll see if it manages to stick the landing on, on creating an interesting path there. I, I am curious whether the show... It's only six episodes, right? Um, they tend yeah. to go a little longer on the you know the forty minute side, um, but I'm interested in the two tracks. Like I'm interested in the evolution of Loki and Sylvie's relationship. The show seems to be interested in what does it mean for less about like the TVA and its mission being false, but what does it mean to discover like you're a variant, like you had a life, like there are things you missed out on. Mm-hmm. There's a lot to mine there that could be really interesting and and sure these are not i don't expect to see mobius and b15 and like those characters outside of this little corner of the universe and loki but i i'd love it if the show 
spent time emotionally with those characters. And like, like, cause that's a really, I think interesting place for the show to do some, some character work, to like give some gravity to whatever spectacle, like the war, like clearly war with Kang is coming. Like I get it. Like, I know that's kind of where we're, where we're headed. Um, and it's like along the way, like, yeah, this is a bureaucracy. Um, but like, I think we can all see ourselves in like being stuck in a place doing a thing. And if, um, the idea of like that changing your whole view of like how you viewed yourself and your workplace. I, I, I hope they, they find some humanity in the bureaucracy as opposed to just like, it's funny that the TVA is like weird and, and strange. Um, and I think that might be something that could be interesting for the show to, to touch on, but that's going to be a lot with like Loki Kang and right. um, so to carry all through, through only six episodes. I really hope that the show focuses more on the emotional stakes and less on, aha, a new twist. Oh, oh did you see this coming? You know, like yeah. every episode. I hope it, it, it like tries to rein that back a little bit and focus on the emotional stakes this season. Um, but even just seeing Ki Huy Kwan act in things again, what a world where we can see Ki Huy Kwan acting in things, man. Um, not a world we thought we would ever experience three years ago, but now it's a reality. And... Uh, that is a, a timeline I can get behind. So uh, <laughs> let us know what you think of Deco- of uh, sorry Loki Season 2 at DecodingTVGmail.com. We're going to be covering this every week. We'd love to hear your theories, your thoughts. Um, so hit us up again, DecodingTV at gmail.com. Uh, find more episodes of this podcast at podcast.decodingtv.com and find us on TikTok, Twitter, Instagram, uh, and threads at DecodingTV. He is Patrick Klepek. Check out his work at crossplay.news where he writes a very cool Substack newsletter as well as remap radio wherever podcasts can be downloaded i am david chen we'll see you next week for another episode of loki season two goodbye when you make decisions for your company you look for the no-brainers if you have a lot of mailing to do stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer use the stamps.com mobile app to mail everything you need to keep your business running with up to 89% off USPS and UPS. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with stamps.com. Use code program for a special offer. That's stamps.com code program.